welcome back to this. We are now riding high up in the sky, once again looking down on the earth below, here up on the lookout. don't know up on the lookout is a podcast about dragon ball but more of a casual theme to it but you can also learn some things too as well as understanding the community around it and if you have been enjoying the last few episodes i really encourage you to leave a review on your respective podcasting service it really does help push it up and let other people know about the wonders of dragon ball but i'm not doing this all alone i am joined as well as always by my pal Havrock here Hello, I'm the other guy on this podcast. <laughs> and we have our third person up here. He's managed to actually scale the means to get here up from Corrin's Tower. He is a major contributor to the Dragon Ball community. One of the major voices, in fact. He does loads of things concerning Dragon Ball, as well as actually delving into a bit of Dragon Quest as well, for good measure, and all things related to geekdom. It's our main man geekdom, obviously. Oh man, I love that intro. Yes, I'm very tired from climbing the uh, the Neoibo, the power pole from Corrin's Tower. My shoulders are very worn out. Hopefully Popo can give me a little massage and we'll be good to go. But yeah, don't worry about that. But the lookout here, we can cover everything here. Because if you like Dragon Ball and all sorts of things to do with it, we have everything that you may need. So all we ask you to do is just sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation we are about to actually express with you. Let's get started. So obviously, Geekdom, you've managed to make your way up here. So yeah, just tell us what you've been up to. You know what I've been doing lately, actually, um, actually, as of the recording of this podcast earlier today, I was watching a lot of Dr. Slump. And unfortunately, Dr. Slump is not localized. But uh, for those who don't know, that was Toriyama's a hugely successful manga prior to Dragon Ball. It actually aired in the same time slot as Dragon Ball um, from 1981 to about 1986. And then Dragon Ball took over. That was the anime. Of course, the manga came first, but I am enjoying watching slump. Unfortunately, like I said, it's not localized. So you can only get Japanese fan subs as of right now, but it's, Oh, it's so much fun. It's so different from Dragon Ball, but so good. And Toriyama, I've, I'm very convinced now that this man is a comedic genius. And I'm not kidding when I say that, dude. It's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've only seen like a little bit of Dr. Slump. From what I've seen, you can definitely tell where Toriyama really honed its craft. Where Torishima really going like, yes, this is the Toriyama we want to craft. And you can honestly tell that... Toriyama at this time, this is a guy who is finding success in his 20s, embracing the art of immature humor. And he looks like he's having a lot of fun with it. Whoa, guys, do you want to tell me that you didn't have English version of Dr. Slump? I'm shocked. No, we we, we, we did. We had, there was a very brief uh, Harmony Gold dub of Dr. Slump back in 89 that nobody really talks about. Um, but it was, it was just like the Dragon Ball Harmony Gold dub. It was very brief and it never really got a release. There are some episodes on YouTube. You can just type in Dr. Slump dub and you'll see it. But yeah, it, it never got licensed by Funimation or any other company. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if it would work because a lot of the puns I don't think would work, uh, in English. But you know what? If you get a good, talented voice cast, you could probably pull it off. But, um, I just feel like there's no intention to really do it. And that's too bad because, 
I think people should really dig into it. It's so, it's so funny. I do have a Dr. Slump VHS somewhere in one of my cupboards. I mean, it was my brother's. And I don't know whether it was an English dub or whether it was the German dub, because I know Dr. Slump was really big in Germany. Like, Germany really does love its toilet humor. Like, almost as much as, yeah, as we English people do. Like, uh, the the German dub, I think, is actually quite common. Anyway, for any of you out there that are listening from Germany, do let us know if Dr. Slump is readily available in, in your country or wherever you are, because that is really fascinating to me. But it just goes to show, really, that Toriyama's work, it can appeal to different markets and some markets that you don't expect. Like with Dragon Ball, for example, in South America, it's absolutely immense. I'm actually going to be covering it next week with a couple of my fellow co-workers on R&R. And we've been taking in like viewer contributions from Latin America, Central America, South America about what Dragon Ball means to them. And if you are listening to that and you haven't done so yet, I'll leave the email in the show notes. So if you would like to actually share your audio contribution, it can be up to like 60 seconds long. Um, Do give us your thoughts. That's just a little shout out there. Let me do mine. When I, I'm going to do one for you as well because I, I grew up on the Spanish dub as well, the Mexican dub. Um, You know, when I was at the second Kamehameha-Con, uh, I rarely get starstruck, rarely get starstruck. But I, I'm sitting there in the hotel lobby and I see Mario Castaneda and Rene Garcia, the voices of Goku and Vegeta. And I jumped back like, oh, my God, they're actually here. And I shook their hand. And I was like, I grew up watching your dub because I'm, I'm Latin. I'm Latin American myself. So I've, I grew up with the Japanese, English and Spanish dubs because, you know, at the time, the, the English dub had not gone past the Frieza saga. So we had to watch it other lang- in other, other languages. And also it was very censored with the original Ocean dub. So I'm watching Telemundo and I'm seeing blood and I'm seeing all these scenes that were cut out of the Ocean dub. And I'm just like, wait a second. And I'm discovering how Dragon Ball is supposed to be. And and I owe it all to the Spanish dub. I love that dub. I adore that dub. We got Dragon Ball Z in the UK around about 2000. So we were relatively late to the game. And I remember it being censored and all that. But I remember then looking on the internet, we just got broadband. So... 512 kilobits per second baby that was the day and uh but seeing all those like amvs back in the day i even made a couple this was like way more like for teens like rated t and like more mature than i thought it was and that was an eye-opener in of itself and when i was like 14 it was crazy but yeah no absolutely if you want to like contribute your own little kind of audio thing i'll i'll leave you an email and wish to send it and you can include it in that episode as well i would love to man because i i truly truly adore that dub and i was lucky because you know um we didn't even get and for those of you who weren't around back then because i know you probably have some listeners that weren't around we did not get the uncensored Vegeta saga and, and Namek saga until around 2004 with the ultimate uncut. So you were pretty much stuck with censored ocean dub, um, the first two seasons, which again, they had great voices, but there was a lot of censorship. And then from season three, which is the Frieza saga, the late, the late Frieza saga, all the way until the Boo arc, you could buy the bilingual DVD. So you had an opportunity to watch Dragon Ball uncut in Japanese or even in English. There's still censorship in the English version, but you know, it was out there. However, those first two, um, I, I don't want to, they were called seasons, but they really weren't in Japan, but here they were called seasons. They were just, we didn't get them until 2000 and like four with the ultimate uncut. So you, 
<laughs> we had to do what we had to do to watch it, you know, in its purest form. In Poland, both Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball, and I'm almost sure, I'm almost sure that we actually get Dragon Ball before Z, so we get the proper order of things. Yeah, but, you know, we had, we had, f- uh, because in Poland, like, at at this time when I was uh, when I was a kid, right? We have more lectors than actual dubs. There were still dubs, but like a- anime didn't really had dubs. The one big exceptions uh, exception was Pokemon that got the fir- first anime dub that big. Uh, we got we got lectors. So there's a guy reading over, you know, for in for in dub mostly English, but but anime that the early anime like you know like uh like like yataman like uh like like Gigi, we got from uh f- from uh, france and from italy you know and uh, so, so you have a gu- one guy reading over a french dub of dragon ball or dr slump and it made as as much sense as big gra- green uh, big green dub did actually when i like did uh, research on you know end of z actually uh, our polish end of z translation is more closer to the original japanese than uh, the english is which is funny it improved over the time I think I remember this because we did do a video about this about the about the Polish dub because I remember the Portuguese dub doing that video and that got a huge amount of praise from all the Portuguese audience. In fact, getting to actually talk to Joao Loy, who was the voice of Vegeta, and him just going like, "My friend Masako X, thank you so much for you know really promoting the dub," and it was like it was mad. It was like I had no idea that it was going to get that huge, but. It's just really interesting to see how Dragon Balls just touch the world, really. But we'll be moving on to now next our mini topic, which is like something that we'll briefly cover and something I'd like to get your own like slate on it, Geekdom. So we will now move on to the mini topic. Today's mini topic is something that Havrock and I have talked about the last couple of episodes. In fact, we actually kicked it off for our first episode, and that was around about the time when chapter 60 of the manga came out so we were actually just discussing that manga chapter and we there's no bones about it it was a really good chapter so really i think this is something we just really want to touch upon before we get into the next topic which is related to super as well is just do we think that the moro arc is poised to be a hit within the dragon ball sphere we're not talking about just super here we're talking about like z and the original you know dragon ball and even if you want to include the baby art from GT, we potentially could. But basically, we already know my thoughts and Hab's thoughts on it. Geekdom, how do you think that the Moro arc has actually gone so far? And by the way, if you haven't listened, by the way, if you haven't read the Moro arc or the super manga, I really do recommend it. This does give you fantastic access for it. And this isn't sponsored, by the way. It's just really easy to get and really good quality. So, spoilers, by the way, if you haven't read it yet. So, Geekdom, your thoughts on the moral arc? It depends on the ending. 
whether or not it's going to be a hit. The problem with the Mora arc is that there's not really anything new. A lot of the ideas are kind of ideas that we saw throughout the entirety of Dragon Ball, including Z Super. You know, we've seen, we're seeing like a Resurrection F type of, you know, rumble fight, but we're seeing like, you know, more people involved like Yamcha this time and things like that. Um, we're seeing a villain that has a very unique power. So that is new. Um, and then we're seeing kind of Majin Buu and some more backstory. So there is good stuff that I enjoy, but I feel like, the, and this might not be Toro Toro's fault. That's one thing I want to clarify. I feel like the arc is not really doing anything new. However, with, except for what I just named. However, when it comes to Vegeta and that whole kind of story, they could do something new there. However, I think what's handcuffing this arc is the fact that they're still in the 10-year time skip. And ultimately, as long as Dragon Ball Super stays in that time skip, we're going to be entertained most likely, but we're not going to get anything truly new and inventive until we go past the end of Z. And I feel like that's going to be the issue here is that, you know, I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying it. And I look forward to reading it, but um, we really got to get past the end of Z. And now I'm starting to feel it more than before. I, I felt it during the Broly movie a little bit, you know, once in a while, Terminator Power. But here I feel like we really got to move past um, the end of Z, but I am enjoying it for, for what it's worth. It's not perfect, but I'm, Toyo Taro's improving as an artist, I would say. Um, and I know some people were very upset about the Ultra Instinct thing, how, um, the Omen form did not defeat Moro, but I actually really like that because the Omen form didn't even defeat like Jiren. So it's not a perfected form. And, you know, you, I like that. I like the fact that Goku can't just tap into, perfect UI when he wants to. They should drag that out, you know, and have it be a bigger moment when he's able to actually master, which should be way later on. Like, I, I think they're going, they're doing a pretty good job. Also, I want to say, Moscow, I really love the theme of this arc. The fact that Goku and Vegeta trained individually, Goku with Mirus and Vegeta with, um, the Yardrats, and they both kind of went in different pathways. Goku wanting to, uh, improve his ultra instinct. Vegeta, however, looking for an actual technique as a solution. And the yard rats know many, many techniques beyond just instantaneous movement. And I love the fact that Vegeta's coming in now, maybe not physically stronger than Goku or even faster than Goku. We don't know yet. We'll see when the chapter comes out. But with these new techniques he's got, he's a way more dangerous fighter. And I love the fact that it, we're going back to basics like old school Dragon Ball. It's not about the transformations. It's about the techniques. And I love that aspect of it. So there's things I really do love. I just really hope they go past the end of Z at some point. But one thing that we really, really do love, and I suppose this actually ties into the whole about best and worst moments of the arc. But the best thing that I think right now, what they've been doing is showing how Goku and Vegeta have changed in the sense of like Goku is being incredibly impatient and rushing through Ultra Instinct Sign or Omen or whatever you want to call it. And it's now just kind of going like, sorry, Mirus, as much as I loved your training, I'm going to do it my way. Oh, no, I'm losing. Oh, no. So basically, he, he didn't pay attention. Absolutely. And Vegeta, he's like, you know what? I'm going to actually take my time and, you know, understand what you're doing. I don't like it. You're a little bit weak for my liking, but I'm going to take you seriously. Or about as seriously as I can do because you look really, really silly. So it's just like Vegeta's taking his time. And obviously, and this is something Karthu actually pointed out, and it's really true. He is incredibly grateful and appreciative of people who are weaker than him. And Havrock is a big proponent of that, certainly. That's certainly the biggest thing. And Goku is actually not enjoying this fight with Moro. He's 
really not liking it at all. It's not going his way. I think this is something that I love the most. Like, I think this is something that's the most new to Goku when he cannot, like, this is one guy that he cannot, you know, cannot simply play, cannot, you know, this isn't fight for fun. This isn't fight for honor. Like, Moro just, you know, just hacks, basically hacks him and, you know, and, and, and toys with him and Goku loses his patience. I think in a long time for, uh, like, it's a. I don't remember the last fight when Goku wasn't enjoying it really in any way. And also, we finally have the feeling that you know his bad decisions are punished in some way because, like, the biggest problem to me with Super was that Goku's dumb uh, decisions were you know were going scot free because he's Goku when he's endearing you know like which was you know like. Part of what made Z so cool is that Goku acknowledged some stuff, you know, especially with Cell. That was, I think, his big moment. And and it's like, as I mentioned uh, in the last podcast with Lucia, seeing him be like Moro towing with him is kind of catharsis by proxy. This arc is might not be ending as soon as people think it is because we still have seven three out there. We've got other members of Moro's um you know group. We've got Majin Buu who might come back to fight. So there's still you know people are assuming that Vegeta's gonna come in there and just defeat this guy. I don't know. I think we might have some twists and turns coming up. I certainly hope so because having Vegeta just win right now is a little bit anticlimactic. I feel like something else needs to happen first. I'm not saying he shouldn't win, but. Maybe it should be a little bit more earned, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, am looking forward to it as a highlight of my month when it comes out on the 20th, but the 18th in June, it'll be coming out two days early. And these chapters, they're not short. They're actually like 40, 50 pages. So it's like, it's like the equivalent of two chapters back in the day. So it's like almost just getting two chapters worth like in a fortnight. Yeah. Bi-weekly almost effectively. Right. I wish we did get it bi-weekly. It'd be more to cover, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. If people are saying they want a weekly manga and that's hard. I don't think people understand how difficult it is to write a weekly manga like Toriyama used to do and Oda still does. And this is very hard work, yo. Very hard. Yet to come up with the story, the paneling, everything within a week. Why do that when you can just make a, a bumper chapter, like a really big chapter once a month? And it gives people something to look forward to. So, yeah, on the 20th of every month, most of the time, sometimes it's the 19th or the 18th. It depends when it comes out. 18th the for, for June. Okay, yeah. cool. That's good to know. But, uh, yeah, so just mark that down in your calendars. So, really, what would you say, you two, is like the worst moment in this art, in this moral arc, what was the thing that you just think like, nah, I'm sorry, that, that, that just doesn't work. I really don't know. I would have to say there was something that actually angered me a couple of chapters ago, but I don't remember what it was. I swear I do not remember, but there was something that actually did irritate me a couple of chapters ago. Um, but I don't remember what it was. So I, uh, I can't, I don't remember. I, I, but there was something. I just forgot what it was. I think certainly for me, it was the whole Roshi thing being completely steamrolled from what happened before. Because in the tournament power arc, seeing Roshi actually going like, you know what? I'm actually going to reform myself and change my ways and stuff like that. That was great to see. That was really good character development, but that was walked back again. At least, you know, it, it, it gave the impression that it was. So for me, that was probably the worst for me. But that's like relatively small. I mean, I suppose really with Morrow, in the last few chapters, he has suddenly gone back to doing like really 
silly villainy stuff like, you know, oh, I'm just going to wait until Goku arrives and stuff like that. So basically, yeah, that's what all the other villains do. Incidentally, Geekdom, it's my headcanon that Moro has a Scottish accent. I was going to say, is that your voice for Moro? That's, you, you got you to put him in R&R. I don't know it wouldn't make any sense, but whatever, fit him, in, fit him in somehow. You need something to distinguish this guy from everything else, because that moment when Goku reads his key and is like, scared, you need something to actually sound different. But yeah, so have what would you say was the moment that made you kind of, go the most like eh. there are a couple of things like i think the one that that made me made me uh was uh not really that vegeta got instant transmission so quickly because uh for once it's a typical dragon ball scene and i don't think like people people argue that oh it, it's it's here only to vegeta to get to get, you know, a cool scene. Yeah, but if you think about that, if you think about that, the whole Mecha, Mecha Frieza and King Cold are in Z only to, to give Future Trunks a cool scene, you know? The instantaneous movement with Vegeta, that was Toyotaro kind of being lazy, not being able to figure out how to get Vegeta back on the battlefield. And one thing, uh, thanks for reminding me, you, you actually reminded me of what I was going to say, uh, of what I was thinking of. When Vegeta says, I'm not going to use the technique, that act, that bothered me because, dude, you're you're in a fight to the death. You do what you got to do to win. It doesn't matter if you use Goku's moves because you don't want to know something. Goku uses everybody else's moves. Kaioken's not his. Genki Dama's not his. Kamehameha is not his. All these moves he learns from other people. So, no, Vegeta, use the moves. Whatever it takes to win. That was kind of annoying. Do you guys think that people should give the manga a chance now that it's actually had a proper arc, which doesn't have an anime to compare it to, which is why I think probably this is maybe a very small reason why the anime hasn't you know, come out there. I think you're right. The more I start to think about this, the more I think that there is a possibility that they want the moral arc to wrap up so they can adapt it. That's definitely a possibility. I did now again. I want to clarify this. This is not news. This is not inside information. This this is just me. This is just me speculating. It actually would make a lot of sense if they are waiting for that because we do know now that Toriyama is in the backseat right now and Toyotaro is the one driving this arc. So this is like his story. And I feel like if the anime does not adapt it into like a movie or a TV show, it's going to be really weird because then it's going to be like, okay. Do we do we skip ahead? Do we you know? So. I think the more time goes by, the more I agree. What I would personally love, Masako, and I at first I was deathly afraid of this when I first started doing YouTube, but now I think it will work out. If Dragon Ball Super changed into being a seasonal show and they ran 20 episodes a year, that way we as content creators can cover the show for six months and then for the other six months do evergreen content, discuss what already happened, preview the next season. If they do that every single year, and turn Super into a seasonal anime, I actually would really enjoy that. That would make my life so much easier, and it would give the animators time to pre-plan. It would give Toyotaro time to write his story. That's the they they need to do it. I know they don't usually do that, but they need to do it because it helps preserve the series, and and, and I think it, w- it would make everything better. You know, it wouldn't have the production problems that that the original Super had. You know, the the first run. Yeah, it does. If it, if they followed a similar model to what My Hero Academia does, it's like yeah, you know, it's become the routine now. It's like 
20, 30, maybe 40 episodes. They take a six month break. Then they go back to the next thing. It does work. It does keep the hype going. So yeah, that's probably our theory about why maybe this is like a very small thing, but we are here on the Master Quest channel, champions of conjecture. So we do always preface that with any of our theories. So really we think that the moral arc, they'll wait to wrap it up. So that means because back in the day with Z and Dragon Ball, there was plenty of manga content. I think the closest that it got between parity with the manga and the anime was like maybe eight weeks around the time of the, you know, when Super Saiyan arrived, there was only like two months between. That was as close as it got. Really, in the Super thing, it was completely different and it didn't work. So now maybe they just want to go, you know what? Let's get an arc and a bit down. Then we'll maybe talk about maybe do the anime. Not just that, but also, dude, they could also throw in some slice of life episodes at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, we love those. We love those. So Super did those really well. Episode 15 being one of my favorites. Goku dude, yes. hurling a tractor around. I love that. My number one episode of Super is the baseball episode. It was it was killer. It was one joke after another, one great moment after another. I love that episode. You know an episode's done really well with the fans if it actually has the blank episode. You know, that's the one that stays in living memory. So And giving, you know, those characters hobbies outside of fighting. It's so great to see Vegeta trying his best at cooking, for example. I love that. And all that, all that food puns with Vegeta, with, you know, with, with Guldo, with Ginyu. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Uh, so really, uh, in closing with this part of the, the discussion, would you, would you people think that it's good? People should give the manga a chance. I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, it, it's once a month. It's 40 pages. You get your Dragon Ball fix. I mean, it's better than Heroes, which is garbage, you know, so you might as well read the manga. I don't see I don't see how you could be a hardcore Dragon Ball fan. And of course, I'm this is not like a judge, judgmental thing. But I mean, if you're a hardcore Dragon Ball fan, you're going to digest as much as possible. How can you be a hardcore fan and not at least try the manga out at least maybe every couple months if you can't read it for whatever reason and you're busy? Keep up with it, at least, because it's the continuation that we have right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say one thing about heroes that I do like, and, you know, this is breaking off topic just a little what? bit, is that what? only one thing, and there was one character, Lags. Lags was awesome. Oh, I see. Because in the manga... In the manga, she has a crystal dragon. Dude, Lags is like an RPG villain. You know what I'm saying? Like like a Final Fantasy villain come to life. She could have taken out Goku. And Hearts is just like, no, I want to do it. Go over there. Go in the corner and think about what you did. Let me do my mudas. Let me do my muda, muda, muda. So everyone will say, oh, he did a thing. As soon as, you know, yeah, he basically said like muda, muda. I, you play the John Trotter. He did it, boys. He said the thing. But Lags is like moveset is really impressive. But can you, that with heroes, you can instantly fix that. If you included that crystal dragon with Goku using in Super Saiyan 3, the dragon fist, two dragons clashing, who will win? That's how you get heroes really in people's consciousness. But yeah, we are digressing now. So, right now, thank you for you guys about the moral arc. That was fantastic. So, let's move on now to the maxi topic. So, for today's main topic, and usually when we say main topic, it ends up being just as long as all the other topics, but it's kind of our main point, and it sort of leads back into what we were talking about, about whether people should give manga the chance. But the main question I want to discuss today is, was Dragon Ball Super doomed to not succeed? I mean, 
The one thing that I usually have actually thought about is that episode one of Dragon Ball Super, when you look back at it right now, is incredibly dated. 2015, they were basically following the same model that had been used time and time again since the mid-90s. That was all very well and good for people who loved Dragon Ball back at the time, but it just felt like it hadn't really moved on. But when you get to Super Episode 131, the the visuals don't just change for the better, you know, to update themselves, but it feels like much more of a modern anime. That's something it can stand on its own two feet. It feels like it can adapt. So yeah, Dragon Ball Super did succeed. It's a solid six or maybe seven out of 10 anime. As in, it's like, you know, it did the business. It didn't, it had a really good ending, like a really good ending, especially with Goku managing to get Frieza to do stuff, you know, finally. And that, that, that dynamic, it actually worked out. They were incredibly lucky with that Frieza plot point actually working out. Cause I remember, and I'm going to be doing this for a video in a few weeks time about my worst Dragon Ball Super moments. The Boo falling asleep thing is in there, but it's relatively low. It's relatively low because in hindsight now, when you think about it, if Boo was in there, he'd have been able to heal everybody. He has too many hacks. Yeah, he could have attached bits of himself to all the fighters. So you think, oh no, Boo out. And then he just like reforms, psych. So, you know, it's it's too easy. So I can understand now with hindsight why they did it. It was just not handled in the best way possible. Let's be honest, Frieza was one of the most entertaining things in that tournament. Yeah, it did It did work out. And now recently, I love the fact there is a meme now of like Frieza looking at something and then he goes, I'll ignore that. So I, I love that how that's just suddenly a meme now. Dragon Ball Super obviously financially succeeded a lot. It really did. Like there are financial records all over the place that you can find that Toei has shown, especially in the overseas market, it makes billions of yen. Absolutely. There's no brainer. Dragon Ball is profitable. So it did succeed in that avenue. So that bit, that's pretty safe to say it, it did work out. It did turn out okay. But in terms of like how it's perceived with the fandom, did it succeed in that regard? Was it doomed to failure? I mean, it got very, very lucky. It certainly didn't have a really good start, certainly. Do you guys think that Dragon Ball Z maybe had something to blame about with Super maybe not getting off to a really good start? What kind of tropes in Super do you think came from Z and it's actually not Super's fault? I mean, I can easily start off with like Gotenks. Gotenks, to me, is probably one of the worst things in Super because... Not only does he not do anything, okay, he maybe gets like one kind of like rugby tackle almost, but after that, he's there for gags. But the point was in the Boo saga, yeah, he was there for gags. He was meant to be funny, but he was also incredibly powerful and he was the only other guy who could do Super Saiyan 3. And that in itself was a big deal, especially when Super Saiyan 3 was absolutely brand spanking new. But in Super, he doesn't offer anything new. It's just... He is there because, oh yeah, Goten and Trunks haven't done anything. Uh, let's use them. And then you get to the Potofu arc. They they use Super Saiyan 3 too quickly to show, oh no, these guys are really, really strong. And if they wanted that arc to succeed and actually give the kids something to do, they could have just had it be Goten and Trunks in peril all the way. Oh no, we're not going to be able to win. And then Monarca gets the win anyway. You don't need Goku and Vegeta. It's only three episodes long. So you could have had maybe Trunks in danger or Goten because no 
nobody wants to see poor Goten in trouble. It'd be like, oh no, how dare you attack Goten? He is the biggest cinnamon bun in the world. People would have been like, you monster. The writers just could not think of a way to end an arc without involving Goku and Vegeta in some way. So that maybe is, that is a trope I think did carry through because after that arc, Goten and Trunks didn't really do anything else in the series ever again. It tried to play everything very safely because it was afraid of changing the characters too much. But on the other hand, in terms of storytelling, it tried too many things while being, you know, handcuffed, as you said, by the end of Z. So let's take, let's take, you know, Zamasu, for example. I always say that Zamasu is a more interesting character without Goku Black than with Goku Black. And I think they try to make him sympathetic, but they give that huge convoluted plan for something that's effectively, you know, a Sunday morning cartoon. Uh, and kind of like wasted this guy. It's still not the worst arc, but if you think about it, like they tried something and it got so needlessly complicated that I think that by the end of the arc, they forgot what the start point is. Like I, I often feel that, uh, you know, uh, like the anime, uh, anime crew was kind of lost in their own doings. You know, if that makes sense. I have a members only discord server now where if you join my memberships uh, on my channel, not plugging in or anything, but it is a plug. If you hit join, you can join tier two. You can join the server and we do watch parties in there. And, you know, and even before the server was open, I had been watching some older stuff. And I, I'm going to say this. The more I watch old Dragon Ball, whether it be Dragon Ball Z or even some episodes of GT, the more I grow a disdain for super like it really makes super super has some great moments and great concepts. I think that super expanded the multiverse by introducing 12 universes. I think it expanded the God hierarchy ultra instinct. We got to know Goku was brilliant. Um, it had some great, great moments. You know, Bulma being pregnant was just awesome. Like so many great moments in super sprinkled throughout the series but overall the entire package i think super is less than seven out of ten i'll probably put that six out of ten because you know when there's an anime and you have to tell somebody to skip the first 27 episodes that's not a good that's not a good sign for an anime and i i feel like it, yes dragon ball super could not exist without z you know, it just can't. But but I feel like I don't think it's Dragon Ball Z's fault. I think it's the fact that Super had major production problems from day one. I think that what people don't understand is that Toriyama, when it came to Super, submitted very, very loose plot outlines, bullet points. He did not write a story. He did not storyboard. He just gave them bullet points. And what ended up happening was the writing team in Super had to kind of come together and craft the story out of it there were many elements in dragon ball super that toriyama did not come up with kale was not toriyama's idea that was toei that was purely marketing purely corporate decision because of the popularity of broly um and then trunks coming back that was shueisha's idea you know toriyama wrote the story but shueisha gave him the idea so what we have here with dragon ball super is Dragon Ball Super is a corporate shell of what Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z were. Dragon Ball, the original manga, was Toriyama and his editors coming up with a story and writing it every week and then it being adapted to anime. Dragon Ball Super is a big corporate, I don't want to say it's a cash, it's a cash cow, but I guess it kind of is. 
it's very corporate. And when you have all these different writers, you've got inconsistent episodes. You've got things that happen in one episode that doesn't really make sense in the next episode. You've got things that contradict not only itself, but also the old series. And I feel like when you really examine it, because when it was first airing, we were all on the hype train. Everybody, you, me, other YouTubers. Yeah, we were all just enjoying it, looking forward to what was going to happen next. Oh, it's Termin of Power. We got Girl Broly, as we called her. Um, Kale, when she first appeared. You know, um, oh, Hit, The Assassin, all this cool stuff that we, we were totally into. But when you actually examine Super, I think the writing is very subpar. I think Toriyama's bullet points were not enough for the writers to uh, come up with. It was very there was a very big lack of leadership in the series as far as the show running aspect of it goes. And I feel like uh, Toriyama was writing these really short kind of movie arcs. The Trunks arc is basically going back and forth in the, in the time machine. Like there's no real evolution of the story there. Whereas if you look at the Cell saga, you've got Trunks showing up. You've got the androids. They lose to the androids and Cell shows up. There's all these twists and turns, you know. But in Super, we don't really have that. And then you have two tournaments. I'm not trashing Super. That's not what I'm doing. Super did very well for me. I got to meet a lot of friends uh, through Super. And there's there were some great moments, especially episode 109 and 110. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And 130 and 131. But in comparison to the original series, it doesn't hold a candle. Go back and watch Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. The directing, the shot composition, the fact that Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z was shot on 15 millimeter film as opposed to digital like Super was. The, the series looks more more uh, real. It doesn't have that plastic look to it. Um, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z also have that sort of the Kikuchi score and just it, the whole series just has a different feel to it. You know, very dynamic directing, like I mentioned earlier, unique camera angles, obviously the blood, it, you know, super is kind of like a homogenized sequel to Dragon Ball Z. Now, with that being said, Dragon Ball Super Broly, I think was good. I think that was a step in the right direction. We've got Shintani. We've got, yeah, we've got Maeda style, you know, animation. We've got um a, a pretty good little backstory, I would say. I think Broly kind of put the series back into form, but I do think that Super, looking back on it now, is is not that it's bad, but it's not anywhere close to being as enjoyable as the original series. It's just not. Dragon Ball and Z. Yeah, of course, absolutely. But uh, going back to the star thing here, I think now uh, Sumitomo, who is the you know composer of Super, right at the beginning, yeah, he came and stepped in with the whole Yamamoto thing. That was really awkward. He came in and started to do his thing. That was very well and good. He was plugging a gap. There are loads of Super tracks now, like the dun, 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 dun. They're, they've now become meme status. Like, they've become iconic in their own way. Of course, Ultimate Battle... That had something to do with That's now in there as well. The whole thing with Broly is that the Sumitomo track, the soundtrack in the Broly, fantastic, brilliant, all heavy hitters. And also, it actually shows that Sumitomo is in touch with the fandom. I I still, one of my favorite things, and I'll talk about it again like next week, but I'll keep this one short, is that, you know, the in in Mexico and in Latin America and all those areas, they had like big public screenings and there was chanting. Everyone was getting really hyped, like 20,000 people in one space watching the Jiren Goku fight. And the whole chanting in like the Broly versus Gogeta thing was Sumitomo's tribute to that. And you feel like, wow, okay, you guys are really connected to the fandom and this is your way of paying tribute to them? Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Gold. Really, really in touch with 
with us all, really, the fans. It just shows that they're fans of it too. The Dragon Ball Super Broly thing, I liken to the people, you know, who were responsible in creating the iPod in the sense of with the iPod, they weren't going, the first one in 2001, they weren't going in to try and make something that would make money. They wanted to make something that was cool, something that they would use and think, that's really awesome. The Broly movie was that. It was like, we want to make something really cool. And, you know, they ditch Yamamoro, which really is for the best, realistically. No Credit where credit's due. Fantastic work. But Super Dragon Ball Heroes is kind of telling when you compare Broly to Heroes. And you feel like, oh. Oh, it's like ice cream. It's Brother, it's ice cream and horse manure. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the thing. And sometimes you get some really inspiring moments, like in episode 13 of Heroes. You sometimes, yeah, you get like kind of all the big guns in there sometimes. But either way, it kind of really just shows, as you might say, there is a little bit of truth that, you know, Super had a lot of pressure on it from Dragon Ball Z. This was something to be coming back after 20 years of no mainstream series and all that kind of stuff. Two good movies, but it it did kind of, you know, it did kind of fall down very hard at the beginning. The pr- the production fell apart, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just too cookie cutter. Absolutely. The stylistic change when episode 77 doing the whole, you know, different like kind of line thickness and stuff like that. That was really good. They changed their post-processing to make it a bit more gritty, which did look really good. It did improve the quality of the show considerably. It made it feel less flat, certainly. And it didn't obviously take, it didn't actually make the people's work much harder, you know, in terms of the animators. But I really do feel like maybe in a way they were too scared to make another GT because they really did hang on Toriyama's every word. They were over-reliant on Toriyama instead of actually taking the initiative because with Toyotaro is learning from, you know, Toriyama and you feel like they were working really closely with the designs for the Tournament of Power. Those 70 characters they made to go with the well, Universe 6 and Universe 2 and onwards, that was Toriyama and Toriyotaro working together, and they did a pretty good job. They pulled something off that was really, really difficult, making all these fighters distinctive, have their own powers, and actually do the business. My boy Katopestra, fantastic. I love that guy. He is so cool. And I love how in the anime, he actually gives Vegeta quite a lot of trouble. Like, you know, ultimately he does fall down, lack of experience. But the fact is... Vegeta actually sort of took it seriously, as seriously as he could possibly do for someone he doesn't know. Don't, don't forget Dr. Pepperoni. It was a tribute to Mecha anime, man. It was beautiful. Like there, there was there was a lot of good stuff to like about. It. I, I don't want people to understand. I'm not trashing Super. I'm saying compared to the older series, Dragon Ball and Z, it doesn't hold up on its own. It's still fun, but the old series. There's just something to it. There's a magic there. You know, there's an energy there. There's a creativity there. Like the also one more thing, Moscow. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but this is something that people don't talk about a lot. The original manga, there was no original manga with Super. There was no Toriyama manga. And what people forget is that Toriyama is really, really good at drawing and creating fight scenes. And if you watch Dragon Ball's fight scenes, whether it be or early Dragon Ball into Z, they have a certain kind of uh, way they go. They they feel like chess matches where you'll have like, you know, Roshi and Goku and you'll have Roshi do a move and Goku will counter the move and then Goku will do a move and they'll talk trash to each other. That's how the fights kind of go when Toriyama's in charge, you know, like that kind of um, piece by piece, piece by piece, storyboarding, just great stuff. 
Super didn't have any of that. Didn't have none of it. So you can tell that it was hurt by the fact that it did not have that original manga and that creativity from Toriyama because he wasn't that involved. Like, you know, I have a friend who says that Dragon Ball Super is non-canon. I hate that word, but if somebody says that, there is an argument to be made only because of the fact that Toriyama was not as involved as he was in the original stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a fact. He just wasn't. And it's a, like we talked about, it's a corporate it's all it's very corporate now. You know, it's sort of like Disney Star Wars. Like it's, you know, what's what are the kids going to like? Oh, we have Broly. Let's make female Broly. Let's do female Saiyans. Let's bring back Frieza, bring back Trunks. You know, all these fan service moments instead of letting the writer kind of tell his story. You know what I mean? Really, it does kind of tie back into our main topic was like, was Super doomed to not succeed? Sort of, maybe, but mostly no. It was rushed out way too quickly. I still found it really telling. I remember that news on Twitter, people like messaging me say, Masako, did you hear about Super? And I was like working, I was like, no way. And then I saw the pictures and I was like, of course, I was absolutely hyped. It was going to be amazing. But then I was just thinking, well, wait a minute, there's no logo. They, they just announced text. There's, there's no there's no logo. I mean, they came up with one like a week later or so. And even then, it's a bit janky. Like the manga logo with the Dragon Ball with the curve and then the Super underneath it. That's way better. That's that's really well better composed because it's like it keeps up that curve. Whereas having Dragon Ball and then the character Cho. Yeah, at the end, it just seems a bit like it just kind of like you get the curve of the Dragon Ball text and then suddenly it goes flat. It's like, that's a little weird. That's not really well composed, but okay, whatever, fine. There was a lot of pressure for Dragon Ball Super, obviously. It has a lot of legacy to go behind it. Really, it wasn't as bad as GT in the sense that it did have more preparation. But but I will say GT was more creative, I felt. As I get older, I feel I actually appreciate GT more. I feel like... Yeah, I kind of see what they were doing here, but I kind of wish they actually stuck to what they were trying to do instead of three episodes in the producers just going, yeah, that's not going to work. But they, they kind of gave up like within three episodes and were like, yeah, let's just revert back to what we were doing. You know, with GT, like I think GT would have been better if they truly allowed this to be the next generation of hero show with Goten, Trunks and Pan as the three main lead. And oop and oop, yeah. For like, like four of them traveling, and instead of doing that really stupid decision about making Goku into a kid, well, well, that, and that's one thing I want to point out too is that there, I think that the Japanese office again it goes back to the corporate thing. They are so afraid of putting out a Dragon Ball product without Goku. It's like they need because Goku is the mascot for the series, and I feel like that's why they kept them into GT because. As much as I want to see, and I think at some point we need to, you're right, evolve past Goku because the universe is so big. You know, this Dragon Ball world Toriyama created, we could have a Pride Troopers anime. We could have a hit, you know, Mandalorian. They could do a a 12 episode hit OVA like the Mandalorian. People would eat it up. And as much, you know, as much as we love Nozawa, like we don't know how much longer she's, she's going to be voicing. Goku. Well, what scares me is, is COVID-19. I don't want her to get that. You know what I'm nah, saying? Nah, of course. I think we don't want any of them to. We want them to all stay safe and just be, you know, be healthy, be prosperous and all that. So I think realistically, I think we can close this argument by basically just saying, yeah, Super did have some pressure on it and it was going to be very hard for it to succeed outright. Dragon Ball Super Broly definitely did succeed, but really Super... It kind of did it to itself, really. And I think this could all be resolved 
if they go seasonal. I'm telling you, because then they have they give Toriyama time to write. They give the staff time to prepare. Like if they go seasonal, which I was very against a few years ago, but I think that is solution to give us Dragon Ball and have it be. And, you know, you could throw in a movie once in a while, OVAs, you know, things like that. That's the key, I think. But it makes them so much money right now. They don't even have to produce a new anime yet. In fact, if I was a betting man, again, this is just speculation, not an inside scoop. I think we're probably going to get a movie first and then the anime will return. I think that a film seems more likely to come out first. Yeah, I remember like when Resurrection F came out, I thought to myself, you know what? I'd be okay with a movie every two years. Like Every two years a new movie comes out. Cool. I'd be all right with that. So... Yeah, I feel like Super definitely had a lot of chances to actually make a success of itself, and it kind of really fell flat at the beginning. So, yeah, I think we've reached a good conclusion there. So, on the lookout, let's just turn to the deck chairs, and let's bring it down to make it more casual. So now that we've actually reached the meat of the topics that we wish to discuss today let's just bring it back down to something a bit more mellow just like kind of like normalcy really you know we we're in our deck chairs we're looking out at the horizon from the lookout and stuff like that and we just like to muse about things relating to dragon balls so really like geekdom in the last few years now you've actually really been looking at Dragon Ball full on as a content creator have there been moments from the show's past that have really kind of like resonated with you more now than they did before one of the moments that really hit me was in Battle of Gods when Gohan finds out that Videl's pregnant because that moment is so realistic and so like the, the the look of joy which they ruined in the TV version excuse me they ruined it but the movie when he finds out Videl is pregnant and he has that look on his face of complete joy and everybody's happy. Like, I get emotional when I see that. I get a little, I, I mean, I don't cry, but I mean, I, you know, we cry on the inside. You know what I mean? Like, I get emotional because it was so real. It was like, wow, like, this is powerful stuff, you know? So that, that to me kind of hit me pretty hard. Um, that's one, I mean, that, that just popped in my head to answer your question. Um, but as far as old Dragon Ball goes, I've watched it so many times that the great moments are always going to be great. I mean, when Goku reunites with Grandpa Gohan, you could make the argument that's the best moment in the entire series right then and there. Um, also, the all of the final battles, not so much Frieza because there was production problems and it was it was better in the manga, I think, honestly. But uh, for the anime, um, the Cell and Majin Buu fights, uh, the final sort of finales, like, you know, Goku with the Genkidama, Gohan with the Fathers of Kamehameha, it's just great. It's just great. Like, and I love... In Dragon Ball Z episode 190, when Goku gives Gohan the speech, you know, you can do it, you can do it, you know, you, oh, I can't, Father, I have one arm, you know, I'm, I'm down to half my power, and Goku still believed in him. Like, Gohan did not believe in himself. Goku believed in Gohan more than he believed in himself, you know, and then Gohan believed in himself. And it's really powerful stuff when you kind of go back and watch it. And like I've said before, and I really implore people, I know there's nostalgia there. I get it. If you truly want to enjoy Dragon Ball, watch it from beginning to end in Japanese. It's a, it, I'm telling you, it's the purest way to see the series. You get the actual dialogue, the lines. You get, um, you know, the way it was sort of meant to be seen. I know people, a lot of folks get hung up on Toonami, and that's all fine. Like, we all get into it one way or another, but 
You really got to do it from start to finish. Then you'll understand why Nozawa voices Goku the way she does. Then you'll understand the character arc of Goku and Dragon Ball. Then you'll understand sort of Vegeta's character more because that was butchered in the English dub when Frieza kills him in the Z version, not the Kai version. I, I really strongly implore people to do that because you'll really, you won't regret it. I know you won't. Even if you still like the, the English version more when you're done with it, you'll at least understand why this show's so big all over the world. It'll hit you, but yeah, I get it now. So in terms of Super, the one thing I've really kind of resonated is like 18. Really? Yeah, because there was this one moment when like, you know, Krillin's going, yeah, Goku, I still got it. Why don't you punch me in the face? See how you do it. Oh, and then 18 is just like, what are you doing? And there's just tending to, you know, his like, you know, swollen up cheek. And there's this moment while she's doing it. She just lets oh, out like yeah. a content smile. And I'm thinking, there it is right there. 18 has reached peak. 18 has reached peak contentment because for the longest time, what she wanted was to be happy. And right now she's happy. She's got a goofball of a husband, but she's got a successful marriage. They're the most stable relationship in Dragon Ball by far. And they're a team. They feel like a really good, solid team. And I, I found it, now that I look back on it, I remember in, in for Resurrection F, when you had that bit where like, you know, Krillin Shazer said, I'm off to go and fight Freezer, honey. I'll be seeing you. And then she goes, he's so cool. And everyone burst out laughing. And now I'm just like, Oh, come on. Come on. I will say this also, Moscow. You reminded me of something really powerful, too. I'm glad you said that. Speaking of couples, the episode where Videl, the Videl Gohan stuff in, in Super, when the guy tells Videl he cheated on her and Videl, this hit me. This is powerful, dude. If you've ever been in this situation in real life, Videl says, Gohan would never do that. Like, because a lot of times... If somebody tells like your mate you cheated, they're going to start, you know, their insecurities kick in. Oh, is it true? Is it not? But Videl loved and knew this man so well that she was like, Gohan would never do that. I will never believe anybody saying he cheated on me. That was so adult for a kid's show. There are moments. That's what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to say. There are stuff. There is things in Super that are so that's so human. And that's why I can't hate the series because those kind of, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Moscow, like when, when she kind of says, no, 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 he would never do that. He, he's my guy. Like, dude, I love that. Like, oh, it was, it, it I, hit me. I actually have to partially disagree with you. No. What are you doing? Partially. The motivation behind that, absolutely solid gold. Fantastic. They've got a stable relationship. Excellent. But I, I no issue about that. Barry Khan was an absolute jerk. He shouldn't have done that. But I just feel like, in a way, it was the way it was storyboarded in the show. I felt like it could have been done better in a more human way to actually make Videl be reminded of, you know, the plucky attitude of her as a character. She should have basically gone up and, like, smacked him across the face and just, like, being like, you know... I know Gohan. It should have been more intense to really fit her character. But in a way, she was just sat there and was like, Gohan would never do that. He is. I trust him completely. It just felt a bit flat. I see your point. Fair enough. I just feel like her soul and the character she was is gone. And then going back to 18 and Krillin briefly, the whole bit where there's a cappuccino and the heart that 18 put in it starts to get all wavery. It's like, don't tell me I married a weakling, Krillin. And Krillin's like, no, I'm not a weakling. 
okay, I'll, I'll go and, you know, face my fears and all that kind of and stuff. He's brave. He's but brave. But it's just, they're really thematic and symbolic when it comes to 18. Just that moment of the cappuccino, I swear, that cappuccino was powerful, man. That was the most, one of the most evocative characters in the show. That cup of coffee. <laughs> well, don't, don't, don't forget also the, Another one that comes, it's Vegeta um, and, and his daughter. That was adorable. That that moment, that that was just seeing that Vegeta actually was caring and nesting, essentially, for his daughter's arrival. R- great. Guys, one thing that got me personally in, in, in Super, and I think that was from very unexpected source, was uh, Beerus saying goodbye to Shampa. Like, like they were, you know, trying to be a little bit jerky, but you could feel that they're both super sad inside but none of them want to show it like Beerus like oh I'm not looking at you but you could like it was framed in a way that you could see that Beerus felt it like felt the loss of his brother like I really liked it it was pretty subtle for super really I think this was actually this did hark back to the tournament when basically you know Beerus wished for that earth anyway and then basically Shampa realized that so that was almost him kind of paying it forward so it's just that moment when Beerus didn't have to revive his Earth, you know, but he did anyway. So that was kind of like that sowed the seeds almost. So I mean, they they clearly care for one another in twisted way. It made it so much more complex in a really good way. And that was really fantastic. So that was really good. So again, it just goes to show Super did have some really powerful moments in there. It was just really buried deep within some of the corporate decisions, as you say, Geekdom. But okay. So another thing I want to bring up. So we um, we sort of alluded to this before we were recording is that in Dragon Ball R&R, episode four, there is a there is an episode where Yamcha is saying goodbye to his baseball career. And Geekdom plays the bad guy in it, Captain Hook. I had a, such a fun time recording that, even though I was scared to death because I'm not a voice actor. But you, you are the one. You, you are the one who deserves all the credit for that because you did coach me, uh, and we, we it was very smooth. And actually, when I watched the episode, I was so happy because it was even funnier. Like when you read the script, right? You don't actually see the art. You're just kind of doing what, you, what you're doing, right? But when you actually see how your artist, your team put it together. It was actually even funnier. It's still my favorite episode and not because I'm in it. I swear that's not the reason, but it's just so it's Yamcha. First of all, it's awesome. Second of all, um, it just made me laugh like uproarious. Like when the guy got hit with the baseball, like I remember I hit you up about it. And you thought it was supposed to be like a serious thing. And I'm like, no, that's hilarious. It was, it was, it was total Toriyama humor. It was the most Toriyama moment, I think in that episode. And uh, I mean, I'm just saying I, I really enjoyed doing that. And uh, it was, it was, I, I feel like I don't deserve it, bro, but I really thank you for giving me that chance to do that. It was a lot of fun. It means a lot to me, seriously. Nah, you're welcome, man. It really gave that, it was, I felt like it was a character that could really give a chance to actually be somewhat different because it's like, yeah, Yamcha, if he wanted to, he could just like deck that guy's lights out anytime he wanted. But he is an honorable baseball player. He knows about how the system works. He has a contract. He is locked in it. There is nothing he can do. If he were to basically lamp one on hook, then yeah, his career is done. He would be disgraced. And baseball is his identity. And he would not want to go out in that kind of way. So this guy, this human who has this hold on this character, who is thousands of times stronger, but maybe tens of thousands of times stronger 
that, that was just that human moment that I really loved to portray. And obviously it gave the kids something to do as well as Marin doing something to do, you know, not just being there, you know, bizarrely, she's meant to be like five or six, yet she still looks three. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. And that's one of Havanai's biggest bugbears with the kids. Like you think Goten and Trunks not aging up as bad. Mara's even worse. If you start watching Slump, I feel like you're going to be so inspired to do more R&R episodes because Slump is sort of like R&R in that it is very episodic. You know, it's not like it's really too serialized. You know, some things carry over, but a lot of it's just its own little calamity, its own little calamity story. And I feel like if you watch Slump, you're going to probably like be so inspired to just be wacky because Toriyama really in Slump opens up like it's just so different from Dragon Ball. And um, and I, I think it, you, you would watch it. And I'm not saying you would copy it, but you would be inspired to have similar um, episode plots. You know what I mean? Where it's not like it's not like the Earth's coming to an end. And, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. It's just more so like little calamities. Yeah. Like but 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 ones that we kind of as human beings in real life kind of have to deal with, you know? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that, that is very true. Uh, but yeah, no, the next, the, the, the next two part I'm really looking forward to, it does involve Ten Shinhan actually getting his dues. So he actually, he gets a really good thing and I feel like it's in a really good way, which brings back characters from Dragon Ball. Well, that's all we're saying. I'm excited. If you, if you bring back Sudo Senen, I'm going to pop, bro. We've definitely got some good moments, including getting to see Yamcha with his new girlfriend. So that'll be really, really cool. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, we are giving Tien a two-parter, man. Come on, like, he, could, yeah. he deserves it. He, I think he's the only character, he's the only character that gets a two-parter in the season, I think, as far as I can tell. But yeah, no, it's, it's going to be really, really good, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm still waiting for a ride to debut, debut in an R&R. Episode 9 is the one I'm looking forward to the most out of the entire season, so. But you guys out there, if you're watching R&R, then, you know, really, really thank you for watching and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really great to see. Really, I think we're now pretty much reaching the end of our time here on The Lookout. So once again, I'd like to say thank you, Geekdom, for joining us up here. It's been really great to like just talk about Dragon Ball Super and various other things to do with the series. So thank you for joining us. Man, I'll do, listen, I'll do a hundred of these if you want to, bro. Talking about Dragon Ball with you, it's a breeze, man. It's a breeze, always, always. Same thing with Nav, you know, it's a good time. I mean, have, did I say Nav? Don't worry, that happens. That happens a lot, like uh, on on Kamea. Yeah, no, don't worry. Sometimes if I'm getting lost, I I rely on my sat have. No, no, I said nav because I, I just got done watching Solo and the Nava computer. Oh, I'm all messed up. Have my bad. <laughs> no worries. It happen. It happens to me pretty often. Don't. <laughs> no, it's all right. But is there anything else? Because I know that you do a podcast as well. So if you want to like do some cheeky plugs or anything, so fire away. If the where can we find you? Yes, absolutely. Just type in Geekdom 101, you'll find me. That's it. You'll pop up. Um, and right now on this channel, we're working on a couple of different series. I'm doing one called Dragon Ball Highlights, read between the lines, where I watch classic moments in Dragon Ball and react to them. I've only got one up so far, Goku versus Vegeta, but it was a good time with little informational tidbits here and there. Also, um, I have this series going on now called The Technique Guy, where we go into all the techniques in Dragon Ball. I'm going to be covering almost every single move in Dragon Ball, everything from Kamehameha to body change to dead zone to special beam cannon, because there's a lot of history behind these moves. 
there's a lot of um cool stuff like there's a lot of like 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 a lot of uh, um eastern philosophy um tidbits from toriyama all that stuff plus i have the transformation guide on there lots of different guides and explain videos lots of explaining stuff you know um th- that's what i have to do is explain things as far as my podcast goes that is non-Dragon Ball. That's the Geekdom 101 podcast. That's at geekdom101.libsyn.com. And we discuss a lot of different things there from pop culture to nostalgia to video games to even real life stuff. In fact, the next few weeks of episodes that I have planned, which are not going to be right now, we're on break. We're coming back later on in June, or early July. I have a lot of very interesting real life topics that we're going to be delving into. So, uh, it should be a good time. But uh, Dragon Ball stuff is all going to be on Geekdom 101. That's the place to go. Right on. That sounds great. So uh, basically, you can find Geekdom pretty much anywhere where social media is. So once again, I'd like to say thank you so much, Geekdom, for joining us and have for assisting me up here on the lookout as well. If you have been listening, do really have a look at subscribing to this podcast as well as rating and reviewing in your respective countries it really does help a lot five stars five stars yeah and also if you want to help contribute and be a caretaker of the lookout and have your name be read out on the air or close to air here because there is a lot there we are higher up in the air do go to masico.cc slash lookout it's in the show notes below but you'll know what to do and it will really help out the server costs here as well but once again thank you so much for joining us here up on the lookout and all we need to do to say is just stay safe out there thank you for listening and we'll see you around next time ta-ra